If you think I'm funny now, oh, you shouldn't have met me back then. Just kidding. Every six months, I get Botox in my bladder. So every six months, I make a joke to my husband and say, when I come home, you're not going to be able to recognize me. This is a podcast for the infinitely curious, where we share stories, invite others to share stories, and sometimes just talk for the hell of it. So, take a few minutes out of your busy day, sit back, and join our host, Steve Windus, batting the breeze. Up until I was 15, when I was a freshman in high school, I was on top of the world. I was on three sports teams, competition, cheerleading, field hockey, and lacrosse. I had tons of friends. I had a tan body, tight butt. I was just on top of the world. It was one of the best years of my life. I was very, very happy, and everything was going perfectly for me. This is Kristen Beale from Richmond, Virginia. She was just short of turning 15. It was the last weekend of the summer. School was due to restart. She was out at Lake Aston, North Carolina, with three friends. Aubrey, who I had known since I was a kid in youth group for my whole life. Field, who I met the weekend before. I had a really big crush on him. And a guy named Mark, who I had just met. And we were just like, a last weekend of summer, let's go, you know, the last bam before school starts. And that's actually, that weekend is when I turned 15 also. So it was when everything was happening. I asked Kristen if she could remember what they got up to that weekend. I can't. I had short-term memory loss for that whole entire weekend. So your guess is as good as mine. It was summer. It was August. So I guess it was hot. And I have a few tiny little insignificant memories that come back to me um, about that weekend. We'll come back to the memory loss in a second. But there was one particular thing that Kristen does remember looking forward to. Being there with Seal, because I had a really big crush on him. I had met him the weekend before, like I said, so I knew I was on my best behavior. I was probably wearing all my cutest clothes and, you know, all that stuff. So an innocent day out at Lake Aston with friends. What could possibly go wrong? It was time for jet skiing. So we split up onto two jet skis with Mark, my new friend, being the driver of my jet ski and field driving Aubrey on the jet ski that was behind us. We were coming out of a no-wake zone, and Mark and I's jet ski slowed down a little bit. We think that there was something wrong with it, so we couldn't accelerate out of the no-wake zone. The next few seconds changed so many lives. Just a few irreversible seconds. Field was turning around, listening to Aubrey say something, which was probably like, you know, be careful, I don't know. So he was turning around, he wasn't paying attention, and he ran up right on top, into and on top of Mark and I. And I was sitting in the back, and I was in the middle of turning around, like, watch out, they're coming. And it hit me on the left side of the head for right side traumatic brain injury and the middle of the spine for a T8 spinal cord injury, which is like mid-torso. Mark fell forward and into the steering wheel and 
died on impact. Mark had died instantly. Kristen was unconscious and in the water. The life jacket made me sit up like I was in a chair. Somebody who was in a nearby boat told me that. Because if I had fallen face down, that would have been the end. But I was, you know, unconscious, knocked out for the next two months. Instead of thinking about going back to school, Kristen was now in a fight for survival and subsequently for recovery. I didn't wake up until October because I had short-term memory loss. I was like a medically induced coma because I had something wrong with almost every organ of my body. I was paralyzed. I had this traumatic brain injury, all this stuff going on. So I was in the hospital for three months total um, in North Carolina. And then they shipped me, men and backed me to Richmond, my hometown, so I could be closer to home and I can be in a better hospital that could handle me. It wasn't until December the 5th, 2005, that Kristen first left the hospital. My parents and my sister, I have an older sister, two years older than me. We have always been a close family. Now we're a very, very close family. They are all just champions. And they are the ones who the doctors told them she'll never feel or move below her injury level. They also said she'll never breathe or talk or swallow or she'll be a vegetable, all this stuff. And my parents had the mind to say, yes, she will. She can do all this stuff. Just, you know, let her prove us wrong. And then I went two weeks later um, after getting home. I went to California for a month and a half to work out at a gym called Project Walk. It was four hours a day, five days a week. Just like, you know, my whole life was working out. What was it like eventually going back to school and meeting up with friends? Going from California, where I'm 100% in my rehab, to going back home to Richmond and going to school every day and like trying to care about algebra and history, whatever, which are important things. I know, but it's just two completely different worlds. So I lost a lot of friends because they didn't know how to handle me. I didn't really know how to handle me. No one's at fault. It's fine. That's a very generous appraisal of your friends, isn't it? Because none of us really know how we would react. Um, No, but three or four of them just really shined and they stuck by me. I didn't really need a whole lot of friends at that time because my mind was so elsewhere. But those friends that stayed with me and supported me in my crazy dreams, all the stuff that I was doing and my whole lifestyle, those are the ones that I said, you guys are enough. It's all I need. Kristen had been introduced to another companion, her wheelchair. So I use a manual wheelchair because I have full use of my upper body. It's as bare and small as I can possibly get it. The back's low. I took off all the extra stuff. It's black. It's very much in an effort to say when people look at me, they see Kristen before they see the wheelchair and Kristen in it. Kristen had gone from able-bodied to disabled over one summer and autumn. The wheelchair is a physical representation of that change. What about the psychological? It's amazing how that can completely change. Like before my accident, I would always use the handicap stall in the bathroom, in the public bathroom, just because it's bigger and I can spread my legs out. But now I'm in a wheelchair and I have a different perspective of like, why would you use the handicap stall? Like you can fit anywhere, but it's like, I used to do it all the time. Four years later, 
Kristen had overcome so much. She was now a proficient wheelchair user and she had some spare bandwidth to start looking forward to contemplating some of those experiences that had been parked since her accident. One of those experiences? Boys. I had my first boyfriend in a wheelchair when I was a junior in college, so it would make me, what, 19? Dating was a big thing because right after my accident, I didn't have time to think about boys. That was one of the last things I cared about. It was kind of a, I'll get a boyfriend when I could walk again. Because for a long time, I had the impression that no one's gonna wanna date me until I am whole. And whole in my mind looked like a walking, able-bodied person, um, like rehabilitated. So I didn't even try to date. Skip forward a few years, Kristen graduated from college. She'd broken up with that boyfriend and she decided to try a new technique for meeting young men. A dating app. It was to go on dates, yes, because I love meeting people and I love going to new places. But it was also to build the confidence in um, people can see that I'm in a wheelchair and they can see all of me, but they still think I'm attractive. Is this even going to work? Is like, is anyone going to think I'm attractive? And once she got the hang of this, boy, did Kristen go for it. I tell you, it was fun. I love meeting people and I love going out. I love like going out to rich restaurants and stuff. For a while, it was like four days a week, you know, all different guys, you know, a first date every night of the week. Some days I had lunch dates and dinner dates with two different people. I was like a mad woman. I don't know. I don't know what got into me. I don't recommend it to anyone. Kristen was not quite prepared for some of what happened on her dating app journey. Unwittingly, she was starting out on an accelerated course on able-bodied perceptions of the disabled. She shared some memories of those early dating experiences. Why are these people so rude? Or why are we talking about my accident the whole time? And it's not a date, it's just like an interview. One person said they're actually dumbfounded that I'm in a wheelchair when he found out. Um, lots of blessing my heart after they see him in a wheelchair. Just generally making a really big deal out of it. When I look at myself and I'm like, I'm Kristen, I'm in a wheelchair, but you know, that's not a big deal. I'm just sitting down, I'm a normal person, you know, I can still date and talk and all this stuff. But I learned with my dating that being in a wheelchair is a much bigger deal than I thought. We had some people canceling dates when they found out that I'm in a wheelchair. I had a couple of people that said, you're very attractive, even though you're in a wheelchair. Like, what does it even mean? Thank you, but what does that mean? Kristen was learning that more often than not, people see the disability before they see the person. Often, they can't get beyond the disability and never see the person, which is a shame. When you meet Kristen... You meet someone full of energy. She's bright. She's intelligent. She's funny. So it wasn't a surprise to learn how she was able to take control and turn the tables back in her favour. Most of the dates, 80% of dates, we'll get into that. 90% were terrible and ended badly. 
I want to like be in a relationship, but it got to the point where I'm saying like, I'm wasting so much time and effort and money dating. So I'm going to make a book out of this. It's called Date Me. Um, <laughs> and so then it got to the point of like, say something bad to me. I dare you because I'm just going to go home and like put you in my book. I never really wanted people to be rude to me. I never wanted the date to go badly, but it's kind of like, haha, if you say something rude to me, I'm like, all right, soak it in, keep going, because I got a story out of this. Dates weren't all bad. Kristen's perseverance did give rise to some long-term friendships. But I did go on dates with some cool people, that we turned out to be friends. You know, there's no romance here. Let's just be friends or just, I like being friends more than I like, you know, dating you. So I came out of it with an army of attractive friends and a lot of people that I hope to never see again, but they're published in my book. So, you know, I might one day. <laughs> Kristen actually published a book, Date Me, as a cathartic solution to some unbelievably insensitive interactions. It was a way to turn the disappointment of human attitudes into something creative and humorous, and in some way to take back control. It just kind of happened that way, because in my experience dating in Richmond, um, boys are terrible and horny and rude, and <laughs> just like it was just really bad for whatever reason. It never really got to the point where it was not fun until I reached the end and I was like, I'm not having fun. I'm done with this. Kristen is now happily married. How did she meet her husband? Well, funnily enough, not a dating app in sight. I woke up late one morning, went to put on a t-shirt and messy bun and went to a later church service that I usually go to. Well, there was an attractive man sitting in the seat that I usually sit in. And I'm like, all right, he's alone. He's attractive. Where's his wife? Where's his girlfriend? She just went to the bathroom, whatever. So I go and I sit in my seat, which is right next to his. And we start talking and I meet him and he's attractive and he's single and he's at church. And, you know, it's too good to be true. Um, he must be gay. Two weeks later, comes over to my house, the Bible study that I was leading. And then we went on our first date and it's all history from there. And Kristen today? So today I am the happiest that I've ever been, but I think I say that all the time. Christopher and I are married. We've been married for two years. I am about six and a half months pregnant, due in April. I've completed 16 marathons. I'm a wheelchair fencer. So my fourth book is coming out in um, a couple months. How do you reflect on dating apps? Ooh, um, a necessary evil is what I thought. I thought they were just, that's how you meet people as an adult. You get on apps. The lesson that I learned is go to church, meet a boy there, all that stuff. But it was fun, and I don't regret anything about it because I've met a lot of people. I went a lot of places. I was active. It was fun, but I'm glad it's over. I wanted to know how Kristen felt she had changed as a result of her life experience at the age of 15. I think my accident and my paralysis and everything that came after gave me a perspective how to treat people, just appreciating every moment and not getting wrapped up in small things. I'm a person and I'm just like you. I'm just sitting down. I work really hard and I do sports, 
um, all that stuff, just like you do. But I just look a little bit differently. So putting the person with the disabilities, people can relate to me more. And finally, the million dollar question. If Kristen had a magic wand, would she rewind the clock to just before that fateful day and do something else? No way. Not a chance. The death of my friend is the only thing that is regrettable about my situation, but the way I came out of it, I'm such a, in my opinion, stronger, better person than I could have been before because I had this whole new perspective. It just changed every part of who I am. And I love who I am today, and I'm confident in that, so I don't want to change it. If you've enjoyed Batting the Breeze with us, please share the podcast with a friend and perhaps leave a review to help new listeners find our show. Check out show notes and other great stories at battingthebreeze.com. By the way, if you have stories that you think would be informative, amusing or thought-provoking, emotionally stirring, or perhaps would deliver a message of hope or inspiration, then why not head over to battingthebreeze.com and let us know. Thank you for listening.